You're listening to the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. We're very serious crafters, and we craft very serious crafts. Very serious. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to episode 10. Episode 10 of the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. I'm Molly from Wild Olive. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors. And I'm Heidi from Hands Occupied. Today we'll be talking about crafty travels, sewing success, and doing things the hard way. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I've been gone for the last episode, so I may have missed out on a few things. So in the meantime, how is it going, ladies? Hi, welcome back, Molly. Yeah, we it's missed so you. good to be back again. <laughs> Yes, and in honor of your trip, and maybe because my subconscious was really, really pushing England, um, I want you to know that last week I was designing a cross-stitch pattern, and it took me eight separate tries to not end up with the Queen of England. Like, (laughs) I, I have seven versions of this pattern that turned into the Queen. I definitely wasn't designing the queen. But but now you have a nice Queen of England pattern. Multiple. I, I have several. That's right. It, it, it's true. And, and I've tucked them away for future use. Excellent. But, oh, man. Uh, but in more uplifting news where I didn't fail spectacularly while designing, guess what, guys? What? My very first book ever has arrived in my apartment my first copy of it i am super excited that improper cross stitch exists it is real it is a book my name is on it (laughs) yay that is all i don't even know i'm so excited i can't even quite contain it My book, my book, my book. Yay! It's so exciting when that happens. I am so excited. It was such a long time coming, and it actually comes out, I think, the the week this podcast comes out. So it's uh, it's available um, uh, August 7th, I believe. You heard it here, folks. Get Improper yes. Cross-Stitch by Haley Pearson-Cox. <laughs> Thanks, Heidi. But... Molly, tell me about your trip. Uh, The trip was fantastic. I felt like I got to see all these, both intentionally and accidentally, ran across plenty of crafty things. Of course, I was there visiting my friend Katie, and she is an avid knitter, and so that sort of led us down some paths, which I'll talk a little bit about soon. Is this the person you smuggled yarn to in your suitcase? Yes, that's the person. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Nice. But uh, one of the places we stopped was this thousand-year-old abbey that is still actively uh, in use by Benedictine monks, and they have it's so. So they're still they're still abbeying. They're still abbeying. <laughs> oh, I really thought you were going to say Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I was going to be like, <sighs> yeah, no, I didn't see him there. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Benedict, and there's only one Benedict. Uh, but the the <laughs> abbey has gone through. It was torn down by Henry VIII. It was rebuilt more recently. Parts of it were still there, but uh, they have a modern chapel at the back, and it had this incredible stained glass, but it was very modern-looking, like thick chunks of rough-cut rough glass. And there was one that was... Um, it was 
across the whole back of it, and it was Christ with his arms stretched out. But then on the two side panels, it was just more abstract, modern pieces. And I looked at it, and I thought, you know, maybe I should try doing some stained glass work. And then I went, what are you thinking? You do not need to add another craft to your life. Because that's, like, intense. That's very serious crafting. Yeah. Oh, it's so on my list. And there's a a stained glass maker in uh, Brattleboro, Vermont, where my in-laws are. And... When it, someday I'm going to take a class. You should come take a class with me. We'll take a class. A friend of mine <laughs> learned some, and he, uh, I think he liked it. But it's, I mean, it's a big investment of time and, and money, but it would be very fun. So let me know when you decide it's time to take that class. I mean, probably in, like, years. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that should, by then I'll have nothing to be doing. <laughs> maybe maybe in five years very serious crafts will become um like a tv show produced for pbs where instead of like going to like food destinations we go to craft destinations together that sounds like that's like dream job where we just go around and that do that does sound right that sounds amazing because i just read about a place in new jersey that's like some crafting capital i can't remember what what craft it was but see <laughs> it's we could already start building a list <laughs> How yeah. about you, Heidi? <laughs> I like it. I'm in. <laughs> um, well, Crafts Unknown aside, because that's obviously the title I have put around <laughs> my head for this made-up show that we just came up with. Um, so while you guys have been doing interesting things like publishing your books and going to England, um, I have been just at home in Chicago, living my boring work-from-home life. <laughs> and... Um, but sometimes funny things happen when you're doing the mundane activities of daily life. Um, Woodrow, also known as a frequent noise guest of this podcast, my, my bigger dog Woodrow, um, we were, oh, and he's laying on the floor twitching his ear as he hears his name right now. Um, <laughs> we were doing our daily, um, I'll say the word stroll so they don't get excited. We did our da- their daily stroll a couple weeks ago, and I get home and I was like, what is happening with my dogs here like normally they just like go and lay down for a nap they're both double digit ages they're old dogs and i look at his back paw and there is a piece of gum stuck in like the palm equivalent of his back paw and this dog is a chow mutt like a chow and another dog mixed so he has long hair on his palms Oh, (laughs) oh no and there's gum stuck right in the center of it and i was like oh my god like this is going to be a pain to get out of here because um, I don't know. And like, and I had to get a little crafty. It isn't like capital C crafty, but I had to get crafty because I realized Gugon is toxic if you eat it. And if I put orange, smelly, oily stuff on my dog's paw, he's going to just yeah. suck on his paw until he's oh, eaten all that. Yeah. Um, and oh, no. I used a little bit of that and it didn't really do anything anyway. So I rinsed it off. And then I was like, well... I do know for a fact that the other thing that you objectively use to get gum out of hair is peanut butter. Yeah. But this well, is yeah. a, but this is a dog we're talking about. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I have two dogs. So I'm sitting there trying to like take this palm of chunky peanut butter on my hand oh. and like rub the gum out of my dog's oh, paw. Oh, and it's chunky peanut butter too. <laughs> yeah. I was I was up to my I was up to my elbows in peanut butter and gum. 
and dog hair. Oh, no. And I'm also, it's one of my dog's rear paws, so I'm, like, kind of, like, holding him down as gently as possible because he's like, ooh, what's yeah. back here? <laughs> so oh, my peanut gosh. butter is back here. Um, and then his sister, Storm, is like, what's happening? I need, I need this peanut butter. <laughs> So it became like this bizarre wrestling conga line of me trying to get gum out of this dog's paw. Oh my gosh. Um I was successful, but it was it was a situation. <laughs> that sounds really intense. Yeah. Um so not really crafty or interesting or exotic, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, I think that counts as crafting. That that was using multiple materials to create an outcome. I don't even know. And then there were little peanut butter paw prints that I had to figure out how to deal with. <laughs> it was so dumb. Oh. Anyway, so back to crafts. What 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 crafty thing do you want to talk to talk about today, Haley? Okay, so. Have you guys ever heard of acrylic pouring? It's an art technique. Mm-mm. Well, okay, is it acrylic paint pouring or acrylic like acrylic? Acrylic paint pouring. Um, so a friend of mine named Sarah Carnes um, has been doing these beautiful acrylic pouring paintings and also involving resin sometimes um and like making these really interesting both paintings and also resin objects that basically look like it you've seen like really close-up slides of like cells and things like that Mm -hmm. um it looks a lot like that cool it's just gorgeous and really mesmerizing and so she's been doing that for i don't know the past year or so and i've been watching her um i've been watching her on twitter and if anybody else wants to watch her on twitter she's at sarah jane crafts um but she is always making really interesting really interesting art whether it's paper or paint pouring or I don't know I don't I don't understand I don't do the kinds of crafts that she does and so I I'm just fascinated and so recently she's been making these videos that are a combination of acrylic pouring and string pulling Mm. Hmm. and it's basically I guess a layer of or a couple layers of the acrylic pouring techniques that are usually employed. I recently looked up how to do it, and I'm still utterly baffled because there are supplies like pouring medium and like needing to know the specific gravity of the different pigments in different kind, oh, different wow. colors in paint to know how they will sink or react with the specific gravity of the others. So is it like a viscosity thing? Yes, I think it's both a viscosity thing and possibly also, like, it seems like a weird marriage of, like, chemistry and physics as well, because what you're making is, they refer to it as cells, Mm -hmm. like the different shapes that you're making. And it's, I went down that rabbit hole, but I don't, 
I understand all those words and what they mean, <laughs> but I don't. And I'm I'm kind of kind of a science geek, but I don't understand in context how all of that works. But in the latest videos she's been doing, she's been making these beautiful, almost botanical, floral-looking paintings. But she's making them by pulling a string straight down through this acrylic pour. And so they look like these beautiful, like, pitcher plants, almost. Is it anything like when you ice a cake and you, like, run a toothpick through it for different effects? Yeah, it's actually pretty similar to that, except the thickness of the paint and how it interacts and then sort of settles back together Mm -hmm. creates these gorgeous, very floral, very botanical-looking paintings. Cool. And I cannot stop <laughs> watching them because it's just like it's just like this string, like this unassuming string zigzagged across and then she starts pulling it and all of a sudden like all of my dreams of ever doing botanical <laughs> illustrations, which I have books on that, it, it's <laughs> on my list, suddenly go out the window because this string just did that. I don't even understand. Yeah. And so they are just amazing to watch and i'll link to them in the show notes because they're oh they're just so soothing and so fun it looks i want to try it because it just looks like so much fun it sounds crazy yeah, cool I, so i think the the pouring that i have seen is i want to say that there's like a martha stewart pouring paint and maybe a plaid crafts one if i remember correctly but that's like designed for you know, yeah. anyone to just pick it up and, and try it. And it still has really cool results, but what you're describing is amazing. Yeah, I just pulled up her Instagram, and this is pretty cool. You guys will really have to check out these links in the show notes. It is dope as heck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just so cool. And she always, she has a, an amazing eye for, for color and structure, and so she's always making really, really beautiful and interesting things. But this particular thing has just really blown my mind. Yeah. And getting to see the videos adds so much to it. It's almost like those videos where you watch people, like, play with slime, except for their, like, art is being yeah, made. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I want to hang some of these on my wall. Yeah. Like, the results yeah. are just so cool. Yeah. Well done, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I wanted to tell you guys about something exciting that I got to do while I was in England. And um, so my friend Katie, who I was meeting, or not meeting, spending time with, we've known each other for a long time now, uh, she works for Blacker Yarns, which is part of the Natural Fiber Company and they are in Cornwall, England, and they do all of their own, they process all of their own wool and spin and dye and everything is done in one place. And they also, so the Natural Fiber Company creates things for their company, Blacker Yarns, which sells a finished product. But the Natural Fiber Company also 
processes wool and creates yarn for other companies. So mm-hmm. you oh, get okay. to see a little bit of both aspects of it. And it kind of felt like I was like in a Mr. Rogers uh, segment because I'm walking <laughs> through and I'm seeing how it's... The crayons won! Yeah. Oh, obviously. I mean, oh, that's I the one, right? I love that one. But, uh, <laughs> it, yeah. It was so cool. The, the only downside was um, several of the employees had gone on like their lunch break when I got there. So I didn't get to see everything in process, but I got to see a fair amount. And it was so cool. First of all, there's wool everywhere. <laughs> it's so mm-hmm. cool. It, I mean, it smells a little bit of sheep when you're in by the wool, but because they're doing natural fibers. I mean, it's wool. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's raw wool. <laughs> it's, it's just. Yeah you know, somewhat freshly shorn wool. And uh, got all that lanolin going on in there. (laughs) Oh, I'm so allergic. (laughs) And you would not have liked it, but you also would have really liked it. Um, Yeah. Oh, I've been to one. (laughs) So yeah, bags and bags of, of wool to be processed. And you could see where it was getting sorted. And, you know, sheep are dirty little animals at times. And so they've but they're also sheep are tagged with color to to mark them mm-hmm. so they're you know pulling out all of the random junk that sheep accumulate yeah it's, it's special but it, you know it has to be done what a job i wonder what the most interesting thing they've found in the sheep uh that's a is. very good question i'll have to see if i can get an answer to that i'm just considering how much you could pick yeah. up if you had like fiber locking together in that way, I bet they found some really I'm sure hilarious that they things. Have. And they work with so- different breeds, <laughs> and it comes in mostly sorted, but they still have to they'll like separate it based on color and quality and and all of that and junk. Uh, <laughs> and um, so the carding <laughs> machine was running while I was there, and um, it's because it's natural fiber. It was like this beautiful brown color that was that was working and there's cones filled with single ply ready to go and be um, twisted together I got to watch them I saw the dyeing all of the dyeing equipment which um, was empty at the at that time cool but, uh, did get to see mm-hmm. some freshly dyed yarn that is like new yarn that will be coming out soon from them so it's it was still super secret so cool. uh, but that was cool to see got to watch the equipment that was taking the dyed skeins and putting it onto cones so that then those cones can go into the ball hmm. winder and then of course there's aisles and aisles of yarn there from their stock that they have and yarn oh, that cool. they have prepared for other companies and it's just, it was mm-hmm. just beautiful. It was so much fun to see. Um, yeah. What does an industrial ball winder look like? Okay, so the fun part about this was <laughs> <laughs> I arrived there the day that they were getting a new ball winder. So the old one had just been moved out and the new one had just been moved in and was not running, but it's massive. I mean, because right, yeah. they're doing so many balls at at one time so many skeins and balls at one time um yeah it was huge (laughs) yeah it's cool and well even watching it the skeins go onto cones is mesmerizing you know it's just yeah doing its thing and there's a person there just 
changing out the skeins every uh, every few minutes, and it was pretty fun. I loved it. And that's so cool. I may have come home with some yarn. That's awesome. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you had to replace what you took out of your suitcase. True. That's that's exactly right. And there was room. Yarn is very squishy, but I try I try to only get yarn if I have a project in mind for it. So that basically what that meant was I had to quickly decide on several new projects. So I have several years of knitting lined up for myself. <laughs> <laughs> or a, well done. Or a really dope crafty inheritance. What's our hashtag? That's <laughs> right. VSC inherited yeah. crafts. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get that much unless I die very shortly. Oh no. And that's not going to happen. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is uh, taking yeah. a turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but speaking of projects that won't be finished anytime soon, Heidi, how you doing on your projects lately? I'm good. I actually have had some success. Um, thanks for that really, really elegant segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's this funny time of year where it's like mid to late summer, 4th of July is behind us, and uh, I don't know, it's kind of the doldrums of the summer. Like, kids have been off of school and they're kind of bored, and it's this kind of like dead zone for crafting. Like there's not as much action online as there is at other times of the year. And sometimes it can be a little bit hard to find inspiration or motivation to work on a lot of crafts. Unless of course you're on a massive deadline, like some of us in the room might be right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who you're talking about. I am looking right at you, Haley. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, So what I decided to do on Monday morning when I woke up and was feeling deeply unmotivated was I looked over at my couch where my partially completed Me Made May projects have languished for literally 10 weeks. <laughs> and uh, my spouse was I also, mean, that's no, not bad. Not, well, and they're circle skirts, and I spent a bunch of time pressing them, so I was like, t- they've just lived, like, as a couch decoration. They've replaced um, the latch for, hooking. Yeah, fully 10 weeks. That makes complete sense. They did. Re- they literally replaced the latch hooking. <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm good at being... Just leaving my WIPs all over the place. Um, But yeah, so I woke up Monday morning and was like, I'm going to finish these. Like, I keep putting them off because I've never installed a skirt lining before. And so I've had the linings prepped, but not hemmed. Like, they're all, it's just circle skirts. So it's four large polyester fabric donuts. And I was like, oh, these are going to be a pain to hem. And the hem's really long because it's a circle skirt. So it's just miles of a circumference, it feels like, where you're rocking that rolled hem. But I said, you know what, I'm, let's just finish these today. Like, I'll just, it's summer, I'll just have a four-day work week. And I sat down and 14 hours later finished all four skirts. And nice. um, I've been wearing them every day. So I'm really excited. They're not, like, they would not win any kind of state fair award. Um, like, no one should ever look at the seams. But they are functional skirts. And I'm not going to blog about them. And they're just for me to wear. So I did it. I did the thing. Yay! Congratulations. Yeah. That's a big deal. And circle skirts are an epic pain in the... <laughs> hold on. Not... Uh, in, in the back side to and, yeah. and the front side and the sides and all the way around. And zippers. And zippers. Yeah. Nice. Yep. 
I did a mi- I did I did like three invisible zips and one regular one. The regular one was like the warm up. Um, but now I'm like crap. Now I need shirts that match all of these knee length circle skirts that I just made. I have a hunch those will be way easier and faster though. <laughs> I mean, like if it's just a basic tee. The problem is <laughs> Heidi. Yes. Um, you have a petite frame and boobs. All <laughs> oh, right. Um. I, I, I'm sorry to burst that bubble, but... Burst the boob bubble. <laughs> Ow. Sorry. But, uh, maybe we can both motivate each other because I need to sew some shirts also. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, I probably won't touch my sewing machine for a hot minute after this. <laughs> but you made all the skirts. Like, that's... That's not yeah. nothing. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully they'll be good. <laughs> I've been working on a blog post that is showing fun and interesting and nice looking sewing patterns, free clothing sewing patterns. And Haley's skirt design is in there as well. But Yay. it's made me like want to make all of these things. Which I clearly don't have time for, mm-hmm. but yeah. once you like head down, <laughs> no, that that's path, the problem with sewing patterns. Yeah. Yep, sewing patterns are deeply yeah. contagious. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do. Like once you've contracted the sewing pattern, <laughs> like the only way to get rid of that particular bug is to make the thing. Yeah, yeah. I should probably pull out the ones that I already have and have all the fabric for, and start with that though. Yeah, as should we all, and that's. Uh, on sort of that same subject, and also like the the contagion of sewing projects, I have contracted a sewing project this week, <laughs> and it came about because I was listening to the Sewing Out Loud podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which I really like because it's a mother and a daughter who basically like chat about sewing and sort of a way similar to how we chat about making any of the things, um, <laughs> instead of being like an interview show. Mm-hmm. I was listening to them at the gym on Monday, and they were basically, they were doing a podcast that responded to someone in their podcast Facebook group who was talking about basically how many how many objects she ends up throwing away that she's made that aren't quite right or or whatever. I didn't actually see the original post, so I am paraphrasing a paraphrasing. The conversation that came from that was really interesting to me because it hit on something that I am personally pretty cranky about. I hate quick and easy. I think there is no bigger line of nonsense that has been fed to like would-be crafters uh-huh. than quick and easy yeah i mean don't get me started on no so because i have feelings on that too but or no knit that's my favorite too i'm like why then just don't participate that's really funny <laughs> and i've never even seen that yeah um, but so i feel like the one of the the main disservices that craft blogs have done to crafting mm-hmm. 
is convincing people that you can expect success from quick and easy. And I mean, some things are just inherently because of what they are and how you make them, not things that take a lot of time and not things that take a lot of skill. Like, and that isn't what I'm talking about. I, I'm thinking more like, like quick and easy skirts mm-hmm. or quick and easy tops or things like that, where maybe if you fall solidly within the size that was the original model when the pattern was being designed, like, you might get lucky. You might end up with, like, a three-seam dress that looks just fine. Um, Certain body types are more likely to get that outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, if you don't happen to have a body that needs a lot of darts and a lot of shaping. Mm -hmm. That is not a world in which I live, but... Some people do. Yeah. And, but even so, a lot of what they were talking about was sort of the prep work that needs to go into making something that ends up being pretty easy to make. But the work that you need to do ahead of time to get to there, like, are your shoulders the right width? Like, basic things like just measuring your body mm-hmm. and seeing if that lines up with a pattern uh, and like things that we just don't think to do anymore that were just historically how things were done mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. i think that a lot of times the things that were common knowledge to maybe our grandparents or our parents when they were making things aren't common knowledge now because people are getting all of this information in sort of a quick and easy format and they're simply not they're no longer getting the background needed to make something yeah um actually be relatively quick yeah. and easy and it just it makes me mad and i just want to complain about it <laughs> <laughs> well i will freely admit that i have been guilty of the quick and easy thing um in fact I know that if you look back in my blog archives, I have lots of things like that, which is also why I I have to remind myself that's why I was able to blog as often as I was at that time is because I was making quick and easy things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've done it, too. Yeah. Like, Same. I'm not saying that I don't do it. I just... Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I've gotten into some more advanced things, things that just require more time. And I, I'm so proud of the work that I'm doing now. And I have to remember that I was productive because I was making very simple things before. Yeah, this is relatable content once again. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but it reminds me of like some years back, um, Martha Stewart made, she she caused a bit of a kerfuffle with the bloggers uh, around the world (laughs) because she made some comment to the effect of, you know, who are these bloggers and, you know, where did they come from and what's their expertise and and all of this and bloggers were like yeah whoa whoa whoa." yep but she was oh i remember that because you have a lot of people and you know she made i think the example of have they even tested these recipes i went to the martha stewart show after that as a guest blogger (laughs) like as a result of that kerfuffle yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and she's but she's right though because you do you have a lot of people that and, and again i Certainly, I'm guilty of this. I'm not, you know, I'm not 
casting this stone at people who are terrible people. But uh, no, we have a lot of situations where. Oh no, I'm complaining and I've done it. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and again, and that's I, it's fine. This is not this isn't a judgment, but it's we do have people who have learned from someone who learned from someone who learned from someone and it keeps getting kind of watered down to where you you miss out on certain key elements that really would improve the process and their their fundamentals that don't seem to be fundamentals anymore yeah i will say though it's interesting this makes me think of though like so part of what's so beautiful about crafting is that it is something that's been handed down for literally thousands of years. And so, mm-hmm. of course, whatever moment in which you're crafting is going to have its own unique quirks. Yeah. But I do think that, um, like, we all design patterns of some kind. Like, it's interesting how there is an expectation these days among certain stripes of pattern purchasers that... If you don't explain every little thing, they about poop their pants because they have only ever learned to, let's say, knit or crochet from a blogger who is like, golly, reading knitting and crochet abbreviations is hard. <laughs> like, learn how then? Like, you're going to spend <laughs> how many hundred dollars on yarn? How many, like, five dollars on the pattern and you're going to complain about it? I'll say that over and over again because it's ridiculous. And then you're going to sit there and be like, Meh, what's a DC2 together? Google it. Uh, geez. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, and, and like yes. the expectation that people don't need to adhere to like the Craft Yarn Council standards for pattern writing that are also Googleable. And then like, but this blogger I follow, for every pattern they do, they do a video on how to do the thing. Yeah. Also Google it or buy a book or take a class. Or only ever be able to work from that one individual's patterns. And there's nothing wrong with them conveying, like, this is how to work this pattern in this way. But, like, you're not entitled to that from everyone. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And I guess the thing about this particular podcast episode that actually, that made me catch a pattern, though, um, is that it reminded me that there are really simple steps to take to make something successful Mm -hmm. like it might slow you down in that you can't like just cut out the pattern size and go Mm -hmm. but it's not very hard and it doesn't take very long to like make some very minor fit adjustments yeah yeah that will make something that you've spent all this time working on actually something that you want to wear or want to use yeah and yeah like that reminder uh, and i just started thinking about all of the projects like the shirts i've been avoiding Mm -hmm. um at some point i'm going to and i've done this before but i will do it again and better this time because i the first time i did this i was a very new sewer Mm -hmm. um button down shirt like collared button down shirt is a thing that's on my list. I've made a I've made perfectly fine button down collared shirts that have fit me that I've worn. A few things were backwards, you know, it it was fine. But when I was a very very new sewer. But now all like the anxiety that I'm feeling about actually tackling that pattern doesn't make any sense. It's just there because I've got it in my head 
that this isn't going to be something that's easy. But what do I need to do? I need to measure how much I need to take in the shoulder seam because I have narrow shoulders. Mm-hmm. I need to measure how much the natural waist needs to go up because I'm petite and very short. I need to figure out where to put in the full bust adjustment. Like, that is just simple measuring and marking. Yeah. That isn't, it's not, I mean, it's geometry if you really want to get down to it once you start sewing, but it's it's not actually complicated, but the idea of quick and easy does not actually allow for those things, which are actually quick and easy, and can allow, like, make you more successful and make you love the things that you've spent time on. Mm -hmm. And it just, I just got to be in my bonnet about it. And now I want to start playing with all the patterns because I have been reminded by Mallory and CD that I actually am perfectly capable of making the adjustments that are very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like, I I know what shape yeah. my body is. Mm-hmm. That's not very hard for me. Well, and that's part of, of making one's own clothing or even other humans' clothing is learning the ins and outs of what comprises your body. And once mm-hmm. you know that, and once you've attempted to make your own things, you learn a lot of skills right away because you learn how, like, you learn what works and what doesn't work. To make yeah. things and fit that's you. That's also part of the point of one point of making your own things is to create something that is going to work for you, as opposed to going and buying something that's pre-made and is not quite right. Yeah, right. Which, if you're going to get the same thing, yeah, mm-hmm. why would you possibly spend all that time and money on fabric? Like, it, it it's not cheaper to make your own. No, definitely no. not. So anyway, my rant is done now. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I, this reminded this just reminded me that um, I, at Vogue Knitting Live Chicago this spring, I took um, a get the best sweater fit class with Patty Lyons, who's kind of a legendary knitting instructor. Mm-hmm. She's funny. She's great. She's wildly experienced, um, and she also has kind of a no nonsense approach to her class. She knows she's going to have a lot of students, and is like, "This is what we're covering. Do not ask me any questions until you know I haven't covered it. So wait till the end." And I love it. Because if you're instructing a lot of people on intense knitting in a group setting like that, you just kind of have to, like, make it happen. Anyway. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, she rules. Um, but she was she went on a rant in one of the in that class about how people, even people who have not come up in learning from um, influencers and bloggers online, people who have actually learned from a class at a local yarn shop... Even then, the actual patterns that follow Craft Yarn Console standards and they follow, like, they get tech-edited, they get tested, they are vetted. She said, even today, a lot of patterns that are written in the traditional way include so much hand-holding. She said, you know, you know that if you've got a set of boobs, that you have to add more increases in a certain spot. Or if you need, or if you're pregnant, you need to do something to make your sweater fit around your stomach, etc., and so I feel like the, among very serious crafters, I think this, like, get over it, learn how to do it better, learn your own body. Because, like, crafting, is it, the point is that you're getting something bespoke that you made that fits. Yeah. And those foundation skills are really important. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, before you dive into quick and easy, get your foundation in place. Yeah. So my, my friend Katie that I went to visit, she has made a commitment to basically making all of her own clothes now, which is amazing. She made herself a pair of denim overalls with all of the regular hardware and everything. And I looked at oh, it cool. and I, wow. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell at first. I was like, I know that you've been making your own clothes, but uh, those look very professional. And she said, don't look inside because there are a few a few things that, you know, are the handmade tells. But you couldn't tell <laughs> from the outside. It was amazing. But just sort of like transitioning in here with another topic. While we were traveling together, <laughs> we went to we spent a day in Paris and she bought some fantastic fabric that she is going to make into a dress. And she's already referring to it as her Paris dress. And I love that because it's like it's like going and buying a souvenir that is useful and you'll actually use for for other things. So it brings me to this idea of craft supplies. Oh, that's so fun. Craft supplies as souvenirs, which has now become my thing. There's very few things that I bought <laughs> in my travels that wasn't related to crafting in some way. Yarn, obviously. Yeah, yarn oh, was on same the list. Here. Um, a little bit of fabric, some new embroidery hoops, because you can never have too many. And when you are in England, you can buy made in England embroidery hoops that are far superior to what I can find locally. Uh, what else did I get? Got some glue mm -hmm. that seems I'm a little so bit weird. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was, uh, well, I mean, this was Flying Tiger glue. So, uh, Haley, you could go and buy it. But I only got it because the tube is like pretty aqua color and it just says universal glue on it and some pens for photo props because one can never have too many photo props like that and it's wonderful because then I have and I have things from my travels other places as well where I still remember when I go to pull that fabric out oh that's right I got this in England I bought this fabric in Pennsylvania or New York City or whatever and so they they act as yeah. As these little memories that I work into my projects. And uh, yeah, so that's very fun. I highly recommend craft supply souvenirs to all of our listeners. Yeah, I I do the same thing with yarn. Um, I try to, when I go yarn souvenir shopping, I try to get something that is at least dyed locally, if not also farmed and processed locally. Um, luckily, like my last... Notable locations have been to Colorado, Washington, and Iceland. <laughs> so there's a lot to choose from. That works. <laughs> but then I run into there, but they end up being definitely items that live in my stash for a long time because they're so specific. It's hard to design with them, and then it's hard to find the time to make something just right. for me or just for a gift. So yeah, craft blogger problems, craft designer problems, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I feel I feel so like invigorated from yelling about DC two together. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself now. Crafting catharsis. Yes. I don't know. I'll, I'll, somebody will probably be very angry that I was like, learn to do the thing. But whatever. We're very serious crafters, and we're not so you know, serious. We're, just, we're not lying we about that. It. We can soften it a little bit, dear friendly listeners. <laughs> we would like to encourage you in the best way possible to build your crafting skills. You can do this. 
Learn Just learn the thing. <laughs> In my failed failed New York old lady accent. <laughs> I mean, which isn't to say that you shouldn't ask questions um, if you know there's a thing yeah. that you would like to learn and don't know where to look or what it's called. Exactly. Or who to ask. That's yeah. right. Like, that is great. Yeah. Because crafters... Uh, as a people, I mean, there are individual uh, exceptions for sure, but love to share their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love to tell you how to yeah, do it. Yeah, and thing. I would yeah. say like, and it's Google is your friend, but also it helps if you have someone you can go to and say of these websites or whatever. Yeah, like hey, I googled this. I yeah, don't know what that means. Yeah, where exactly. should I? These are these are conflicting. What should I be looking for here? Yeah. Or take, like, let's say there's a blog pattern that you really love, but it's written in kind of an unusual way. Um, Or let's say you learned in the unusual way and you're trying to learn the traditional way. Just reach out to somebody online and be like, I've never heard of this abbreviation or this technique. Is it unique to this blog pattern or is it just another way of saying this thing that could be a regional thing or it could be unique to that instructor's their own crafty upbringing, yeah, so to speak. The, the regional thing um, can definitely... And I'm sure, I'm sure... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I'm sure all three of us, if any of you listeners are ever lost um, on terminology or anything like that, you can just reach out to us on social media and we can also help point you in the direction of other people who might be able to answer those questions so that we can all learn yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, and we promise we won't yell at you to Google it. <laughs> yeah. We will trust that you have Googled That's it right. if you're asking. We're going to assume yeah, exactly. that you've started with Google. And I literally was a librarian for about a decade, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I really... I, I would like to assume that of yes. most people. Mm-hmm. It's an incorrect assumption, <laughs> but I would... I want that to be the world in which I live, and so I'm just... I, I am just going to assume... That everyone has Googled the thing, so I stopped being mad about it. (laughs) Yeah. Aw. So on that note, I think that's all we've got for you guys today. Yeah. Dear listeners. (laughs) I think so, too. And we are are clearly... uh, We have several bees in our bonnets today, so... All right. right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Ladies, have a great rest of your day. We'll be back again soon. All right. Bye. See ya. Loved this episode of the Very Serious Crafts podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. 